Amen. Thanks, Scott. Well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> hey, uh, <clears throat> before we um, get stuck into the Word this morning, just a couple of other quick um, notices. Uh, obviously, uh, next weekend's Father's Day, so if you've got a significant male in your life, be it your son, a father, a brother, an uncle, bloke that you work with, <laughs> bring them along next weekend. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. Invite them to step out of where they are and to come here next Sunday. So we want to pray for them. We want to bless them. We want to see God's love touch their lives. So that's next Sunday um, here at the Vineyard. Um, and I also want to just point out to you that uh, in September, late September, the 27th to the 29th of September, um, we have the uh, Vineyard Churches Australia National Conference is happening up at Caloundra. And we've got about 150 people so far coming in from all parts of Australia to, uh, to meet together. And we're, we're expecting that number to rise. But I want to invite you, next week there'll be some more practical ways how you can say, hey, I want to come and help serve this. But we're asking that you guys at, um, as our church family here would join with us in helping to serve what God is doing in the people from all around Australia. And the best ways that you can do that is, you know what, we need people who can serve coffee. We need people who can smile and hug and welcome people. We need people that can help them park a car in a car park. We need people to help them show them where bathrooms are. We need people to help us with all sorts of practical servant life. And so we want to, from next week, over the next few weeks, there's going to be an opportunity for you to um, say, you know what, I, I, I want to go. I want to go and serve what God has on his heart for other people around the country, for his kingdom to come, for his churches to flourish, for his pastors and leaders around the country to experience God's favour and kindness. Uh, and, and so we, we boldly invite you into that like boldly, like come and serve what God is doing for the sake of his kingdom around the country. And so that may mean you can come for a session and help, come for a day, come for three days. I don't, I don't care. Whatever the Lord says to you, though, just buckle in and do it, okay? So next week, though, there'll be sign-up sheets where you can um, get involved with that one. Alrighty, this morning we are going to um, spend some time uh, unpacking a little, a little conversation um, that um, um, I, was, I was having with the Lord last weekend and also um, during the course of this week with regards to how do we, we realise it when God's busting a move in our life, especially after a long season where we have seen delay or we have, we have experienced a sense of desertness or isolation or um, long-suffering as well. And so what does it look like when God actually begins a move in your life? And not only in your life, but in the life of the people that you're sitting with today and even in the life of your families, in your workplaces and even through us as Jesus' people here at PRV. Um, so we're going to just have a bit of a and explore on that one this morning, because I think there's a conversation that God is inviting us into. Usually on a Monday morning, Nicole and I, we will get our 
cup of coffee. Oh, I drink coffee. She drinks hot chocolate and tea. She doesn't drink coffee yet. She keeps telling me that one day she's going to grow up and drink coffee, but hasn't quite got there yet. Um, but anyways, <laughs> we, on a Monday morning, you'll often, Nicole and I, we will, most Mondays, uh, after big weekends of, of kingdom ministry in action, we'll get our cups of hot drinks, our camping chairs, and we'll go and sit out at Bullocky's Rest for a few hours. I, I call it my outdoor chapel. I, I, d- I love Bullocky's Rest. There's something about that space that over the last 20 plus years where we as Jesus people have gathered there, that it's created like this, um, it's a sanctuary of his presence. There's multiple stories of people who we've seen, you know, C of E people that come, you know, Christmas and Easter people. Those people come to Good Friday services up there at 7am. It's their one service of the year that they come to and they have encounters with God. They, they realise that they're desperate for his love and he meets them there wholeheartedly. God is not backward and being forward. And so we go and sit out there on a Monday morning and there's something about that space, not only with the spiritual history that's there, but we just we love that bit of creation, particularly the water. There's something about the water, being able to sit near the water as the sun hits it. Sometimes we take out our little paddle boards. It's starting to get a bit warmer now, so we'll take the paddle boards out there again and sit on the water and just enjoy God's presence. There's something about the water um, that helps us connect with our God. We love that on a Monday morning. We start by pouring out our heart to him. Like, I don't know what your prayers start like, but they start, mine start like, our Father in heaven, and then I just let it rip. And I just pour out all of my heart, all the good stuff, all the hard stuff, all the sad stuff, all the victorious stuff, all of it. We just start pouring it out to God. We let him know how we're feeling. We share with him how we're feeling about our marriage relationship. We, we, we let him know how we're feeling about the relationships that we share with our, with our children. We let him know how we feel about our relationship with you as our local church family, the needs of our community and the schools of our region. We, we, we pour all that out and then we say, would you please bring your kingdom? That's kind of where we, we start with our Father, we pour out our heart, we finish with your kingdom come, please, Lord. Your kingdom come, please, Lord. And, we, and then we, be, we sort of finish off by reminding ourselves and any of the spiritual audience that's watching and even creation itself, we finish off with, you know what, God? You really are good. You really are faithful to your word. You are true to your promises. You never fade. You never change. You're so faithful. And we, let, we want you to know that we love you. But there's something about being in that bit of creation, being near the water. Have you ever found yourself close to God in a particular piece of his creation? For some people, it's a mountain. For some people, it's the surf. For others, it's, it's um, you know, um, flying in aeroplanes. It's just a bit of God's creation that you find yourself very aware of God. Well, the Bible is replete with encounters of God with people in bits of creation. And one of the stories that we're going to 
push into in a minute is a story of a guy called Ezekiel and he meets with God by a river. He meets next to a river with God and, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch into his circumstance in a moment. But today we're going to just touch on that one account of how God meets with this guy and through this encounter he starts to reveal to him, I'm about to bust a move in your life, Ezekiel, and not just your life, in the life of the people that you live among and in my people for the sake of the world. And so I, I want us to touch on that this morning because I think that we are beginning to um, uh, sense the green shoots of invitation, just the little fragmented shoots of the Holy Spirit where God is inviting people to come out of where they've lived for the last number of years, be it under isolation, be it in their sin, be it in their unfaithfulness towards God or towards their family, be it in just being, you know, given to a survival mentality and the generosity's dried up. Wherever it is that you're coming out from, God is about to break a move in your life. And he wants to bring freedom, just like he did in this guy's story. And on the, on the next slide, thanks, um, thanks Stephen. This, um, he asks Ezekiel this one question. He says, do you see it? You know, you talk to a lot of people in their relationship with God and it's like, what's God up to? And you say, oh, I don't know, I can't see what he's doing. And yet the posture of God towards people that walk with him is, you should be able to see what I'm doing. I'm asking the question, do you see what I'm doing? God wants us to see what he's doing. Now, the kingdom of darkness, the scriptures tell us that the enemy of this world has blinded the eyes of people. And yet the breakthrough goodness of God is, I'm going to help you see. It's one of the promises of King Jesus in his commission to, uh, to his people in Luke chapter 4. He says, you, you will go about giving sight to the blind, both, both spiritually and in the natural, both, both relationally toward God and in the, in the natural, seeing the supernatural work of God touch people to physically see again. God was about to free these people in Ezekiel's life. He was about to restore them into a place of relationship with him that would bring them back into their God-designed place as his people that would bring good news to the world. God was about to bust a move. So grab your Bible, Ezekiel chapter 47. Now, while you're looking that up, I just want to um, just share. Last Sunday night, something really powerful happened last Sunday night here. If you weren't here, that's totally fine. That's okay. But for those who were here, there was something quite powerful about the presence of God that, that, that happened in a moment with the people that were here. There was a great sense of expectation that God was about to move. There was a tangible sense of hunger in the room. And um, for me, I, I was a little undone and a little overwhelmed with it all. And I, I took a posture, and the posture for me was one of lying flat on the ground, just kind of over here. It was like I couldn't, 
It was like, I want to see you, Jesus. But the more I wanted to see him, it was like the, the nearer he drew to me and the lower I had to get to the floor because it was just too much. It was just too much. But he, he was answering my prayer. He wanted me to see him. And then um, during the week, I was, um, I'm just quickly looking it up here. I was reminded of a, uh, or, or, or um, actually it was Scott, he, he shared uh, this, let me, I'm going to use his words here. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll be okay. But he said, he said, last night in worship, I was hammered under the presence of God. Amongst some personal experiences, I started to see the, this old picture that we had from the throne of God over near the drum area, like over there. And um, it was one where it was prophesied that there was water coming out from under the throne of God and it got deeper and further out. The further out it went, I think, he said. Last night, he said, I saw it again, but it was like the water was starting to flow and it, it didn't, I didn't see if it got deeper as it moved out as God was highlighting its starting point. I saw these cool rocks in a pattern below the throne and the water was gently moving around them and it felt like they were important, not just aesthetically so that, so I asked the Lord, why the rocks and not just the stream on its own? And I felt him say, it's because my people need to see and hear my presence coming out from my throne. The rocks cause the water to make a beautiful trickle sound. Oops, sorry, I just lost it there. The rocks cause the water to make a beautiful trickling sound, grabbing my people's attention to look and see my presence. He says, I don't have any interpretation beyond what he said, but that was kind of enough because I was undone by the end of the worship. Last Sunday night, God was reminding us. God was stirring a memory of promise and hope to us as his people. Um, at the same time as Scott's going through his moment with Jesus and the, and the Lord, I was, I was likewise having a moment. And I was reminded of a moment where God spoke to me. This is a long time ago. It was 20-something years ago. You know, um, when God asked, asked me to hold a space for him for a generation now, generations in the Bible, they're usually somewhere between 20 to 40 years. But he asked me to hold a space for him. And so I've been giving myself to that here in the Pine Rivers region. And he reminded me of a picture that he showed me of when I started to serve him here at PRV. And in that picture, I saw Jesus standing in front of me and Jesus looking over his shoulder at me. As I looked at, the, at his back, he, he looked over his shoulder to me and he said, I just want two things from you, Kirk. Stay close to me and keep up with me. And at that, he moved on and he started to move. And as he moved forward, he, he climbed this big mountain. And as I followed him up this mountain, I got to the top of the mountain and I could see there was this little group of people up on the top of the mountain and they were singing to God and they were all different ages and that but they were singing to God their their songs of love and worship to him and I realized at for a moment I went hang on a minute that's us that's us I could see that that's who we were in our life of worship together it was like it was and and it was like people at the same time were um 
tending all these little vineyards all over the, the top of the mountain. You know, some people were cutting grapes, other people were um, harvesting, some people were planting, some people were tilling, all different ages, didn't matter age, everyone was just hands and hearts in, in on the job. And as they were doing that, out from that, there came, there was this big old vat, big old wooden vat, and in the vat, all of the harvest was being thrown in and people jumping up and down on the grapes, having a fat, have just a fat time with the Lord and enjoying it, getting all covered in the wine and the juice. And as they did that, I noticed there was this little um, crack at the bottom of the vat and out from the bottom of the vat came this very small trickle of wine. And as it came out of the bottom of the vat, it went, my eye was taken by that and I noticed it went across the hill, top of the hill and down the other side of the mountain. And as it went down the other side of the mountain, it got wider and faster and deeper and deeper. And as it went out into the plains, people, people from everywhere, just people from everywhere. The scale of it for me, I, I had this sense it was like there was 10,000 people drinking they just came to this river of wine and they just started drinking from it. Some people were just lapping it up, just like just leaning in and lapping it up. Other people were just, just um, you know, being a little bit more, you know, uh, sort of appropriate and grabbing cups and just gulping it down and drinking it down. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, what is this? And he said, that's my mercy. That's my mercy. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. And as I was watching people drinking God's mercy just deeply and thankfully, I, I saw from the top of the mountain, it was like a cloud just came up from the mountain. And, 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 and then the clouds came over all the people and it started to rain. And as it was raining, I just said, I said, Lord, what's that? He said, that's even more of my mercy. <laughs> he was making a point. A very, very strong point. He's got so much mercy to give. And then the people, they just kind of started drinking and then they, they sort of looked up at this cloud because the cloud just kind of moved back over the mountain again, which obviously was representative of his kingdom. And, and the people were drinking and following the cloud along the river and up into the mountain and into the kingdom of God. I was reminded of that again last Sunday night. Even as Scott was having his moment with the Lord about a trickle of his presence coming out from this place of worship. Sometimes it's hard to perceive a move of God, especially after desert seasons, difficult seasons. It's hard after seasons of isolation or disappointment or disqualification that the enemy and broken people want to put on our lives. It's hard after seasons of battling continual illness and sickness that just won't budge and the continual laughter of the spiritual powers that are opposed to us walking in freedom and authority. It's hard. It's hard after continual habits of sin or being sinned against still have their compounding reality in our life. It's hard to perceive the moving of God as he promises 
as he fights to bring his kingdom through for us and for others. And sometimes our pain and our struggle and our sufferings are all we can see on the windscreen of our lives. And it fills and informs our emotional response to trying to get through every day. But then God. But then God. Never forget that. But then God. Our God is not dead. Our God has not abandoned us. Our God has not left us. He is aware of our circumstances. But then God breaks through with his love. But then God breaks through with his freedom. But then God breaks through with healing. And it's these but then God moments. They often, they often are very hard to perceive in their, in their infancy. But this morning, I want us to take the time to learn from Ezekiel's life that these small moments, these little breaking throughs will grow and push through into our lives and shape us for the destiny that God has always had for us. You sit here today stuck in the thinkings that you've accepted and welcomed as normal that are not born from God. They are born from disappointment, brokenness, and being sinned against, and even, even in your own unfaithfulness to the things that God's asked you to carry. God does not want us to live there. He wants us to live in the rule and the reign of his son, Jesus Christ. He is here to push through and push out in our lives out into the shape it's always meant to be. Renewed by hope, faith, prophetic purpose and destiny. But it often starts small. Can you see it? Let's read that scripture, Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47. So uh, just, 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 just to give you a little heads up on what's going on here. So this guy, Ezekiel, he's sitting by a river. He and all of God's people have, have gone into exile after years of just giving themselves over to a life of whatever instead of realising their purpose and place in the heart of God to bless the world with new life and freedom. They've been, they've been exiled and they've been taken into captivity by an, another nation of people, by Babylon. And Ezekiel's sitting by the river, he's 30 years of age, and he is fully depressed. You know why he's depressed? Because in his 30th year, it was supposed to be his moment where he was going to become a priest in the household of God to serve God and serve the people. But now he's been displaced, it's all been pushed away, he's now living in exile and and his dream of being who God had always planned him to be, it was like as far away as you could ever possibly think. It couldn't be further away. And he's depressed and he's by the river and he's sad because he's not living in his 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 God-ordained place, and he's sad because his people aren't. And he's at a loss. And he's at a loss, you see, because to become a priest, 
meant to live and work from the temple. And the temple was so important because that's where God lived at that time. And now the people have been taken away and God's temple has been invaded by other idols, gods, cultural practices and other things. He is lost and he is by the river. You ever been in that space? Lost and alone, displaced and depressed. They found themselves in the situation, but then God. Ezekiel 47 reads this. So he's in like this conversation with this spiritual being It's at this moment. So he's like in a prayer state. It's like he's having a chat with God and God's rocked up and he's getting shown all this stuff. A bit like how I was describing to you what happened before for me as I looked at following Jesus and like Scott was seeing as he was um, having his moment with the Lord last Sunday night. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. Uh, The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And he then brought me out through the north gate and he led me around the outside of the outer gate facing east and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward, the man, I don't know if that was an angel. I don't know if it was a pre-incarnate Jesus. I don't know. But it was some kind of spiritual being that helped Ezekiel connect with what God was trying to get through to him. Look for those in your story. Look for the supernatural help from God. Angelic beings. Jesus himself rocking up on your, at your home, in your life, to help us understand what he's up to. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. So a cubit, it's talking there about 350 metres, for those of us to get some scale on that, all right? So he measures off 350 metres and he leads me out through the water that's ankle deep. So a trickle becomes ankle deep for about 350 metres. And he measures off another 350 metres and he leads me through water that is now knee deep. And then he measures off another 1,000 and he leads me through water that is up to the waist. And then he measures off another 1,000 or, or, or 350 metres, but now... It was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen and was so deep, it was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. And he asked me a question, son of man, do you see this? You ever been out, you know, Sandgate, Redcliffe, when the tide's like way out? It's like walking, it's like walking out into that. And, but the fir- it's like the further you get out there, the deeper it gets, the deeper it gets, the deeper it gets. And then he led me back to the bank of the river 
When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on the side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. Where it, when it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever this river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes uh, everything uh, oh, sorry, makes the salt water fresh, so where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from the En Gedi to the En Galim, and there were places for spreading nets. And the fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. For fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they'll bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. The fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. This was Ezekiel's moment. And God asked him a question. He says, Ezekiel, can you see what I'm doing? That's our question today. Can you see what God is doing as he's bringing his kingdom in your life? Have you, have you allowed the attention of your eyes to be given with such detail, even as Ezekiel's was, that he could describe in incredible detail? It was a thousand cubits. How did he get to a thousand cubits? Because he was paying attention to what God was trying to tell him. For that thousand cubits, it's just going to be ankle deep. Great detail. Are we aware of the incredible detail of the work of God for our lives? Or have we just settled for whatever? Perceiving God's move. Let's jump on to the next one. Thanks, mate. It often starts with small beginnings, a little trickle. This church here started with just a little trickle of people in a lounge room. This church here started with a little trickle that's planted heaps of churches. It's baptised over 300 people and had seen many miracles and healings. And it started with a trickle. It started with a trickle. It didn't start with some almighty raging fulfilment of a river. It started with a trickle. When we commenced the work of mercy that God brought us into, we didn't actually start it. He did. He started this work of mercy through this place and it started with loving one woman and her two sons and their desperate need. With just practical love. Practical love. Cost us everything. Poured money, time and everything into this, this dear woman and her boys. Started with a trickle that, that has led to, I don't, know, I, I, I don't know if we added it all up over 10 years of serving 10,000 people a year with food. Sorry, 20 years. That's a couple of hundred thousand people this place has loved in this region with the little trickle. Do you see it? Do you see the little trickle of God's kingdom in your life? Breaking through? 
It's not necessarily the spectacular. More often our eyes and our affections are drawn, wanting to be drawn by the spectacular, but God asks us, do you see the significance of what I'm showing you? Do you see what God's showing you? Whether you're 15 in this aged 15 or 16 and you're sitting in this room and you're like, God, a plan for my life, yes, he has a plan for your life. Pay attention to the trickle of his love reaching you. Whether you are 80 plus and you're sitting in this room and you're like, well, I'm nearly done. I'm ready to go home to King Jesus. Hang on a minute. Pay attention to the trickle of God in your life right now. Your story is not finished because the king hasn't finished with you. Sometimes we think the insignificant is not worthy of our attention, but we are called to love people that are right in front of us with one faithful step of obedience that leads to the next, that leads to the next. And yet it all begins with a trickle. And he, the Lord said it to Ezekiel and the Lord saying it to us, do you see it? Do you see it? So the first encouragement this morning I want to ask you is look for the trickle of God's significant presence in your life and circumstances and give your attention to it. Second, the second thing I want to say to you this morning is God is always the God who invites us to come a little deeper. There's always more. Just when you think you've got a handle on it, a handle on him, and everything is smooth and just going, just fine and dandy, thank you. God says, come on, come a little deeper. There's more. There's more for you. I've purposed you for more. My kingdom has more for you. There is more to be done. It starts with the trickle. The trickle is usually the, yes, Lord. That's where it begins each day and even the first time we've said yes to Jesus or we've returned to him. It's like, yes, Lord. That's, that's the trickle effect. The ankle deep is when you give him your dishwasher. It's when you give him the, the tools of your life that you think you need to be comfortable. And you, he becomes the God of all comfort and not your dishwasher or whether you've got one or not. You give him your dishwasher. You give him your car. You give him your business. You give him your superannuation. Come on. Come a little deeper. Do you see what I'm up to? Come a little deeper. We go from the dishwasher at the ankle deep level to the knee deep level. Increase trust. I'm going to give you my family, oh God. And then we watch our family make great decisions and poor decisions. Trust him with them. We give him our home. And then, he, then he says, all right, I'm going to take you even deeper. I'm going to take you into the waist deep now. Give me your dreams. Give me your dreams and I'll give you mine of the kingdom coming. I'll give you my dreams of how I will use you, ways that you've never even perceived. 
Give him your dreams, the increased trust. And then ultimately, <clears throat> Ezekiel here, he's in a situation where God is saying, I'm going to bring you out so deep, it's uncrossable. It is beyond your ability to, to get either way and you are going to have to trust me. Give him your life. Oh, I gave you my heart, Lord. Yes, thank you very much. Now I want your life, your whole life. When Ezekiel saw how God was about to bring his kingdom with renewing power, with restoration, with liberation and purpose for his people, he was scooped up into a move of God that would ultimately mean following God into greater and greater measures and realities and experiences of trust and faith and obedience. Let's go. I can just see people lining up for that. This morning, some of us might be a trickle. Some of us might be ankle deep. Some of us might be knee deep. Others, waist deep. Others in the uncrossable depths of obedience. Still, God says, come on. Come a little deeper. And there's, there's these kind of tangible signs that Ezekiel is being given, you know, this third point here. When God's about to break a move, uh, the first thing is his presence shows up. Now, now, what do I mean by that? Well, Ezekiel's by the river. He's nowhere near the temple of God. He's living in exile underneath spiritual, political, uh, and cultural oppression and rule. He's been dis everything that's so important to him has been taken from him. And he's living under all of that oppression. And it's in that context God comes to him. Hang on a minute. We kind of go, oh yeah, we expect that. Not for Ezekiel. See, for Ezekiel, God lives in the temple. God showed up where he shouldn't. His presence will always bust a move and show up where we least expect him to show up. And if you go into the detail, he has this full-on vision of spinning wheels and creatures with eyes and all these freaky heads and all this. It's, it's really intense if you go and have a big, deep look at it. But it was basically God saying, here I am, Ezekiel. I'm here to lead you out. See, a move of God will always be the unexpected showing up of God right where we are. Not, 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 not because we've managed to somehow get our life sorted out and now God's got, you know, look at me. No, no, no. God looks at us right where we are and he comes to us. Has God unexpectedly started showing up? In your life? The effects of this unexpected presence of God showing up is that, you see, God's given to fulfilling his promises to you and to me. He's given to that. 
And the effects of that, you, you can read on, is, 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 is when you give your life over to the flowing reality of the river of God's presence is he takes, he takes direct aim at everything that's dead and dying and he says, there I'm going to go and do my best work. Everything in us and around us and that we hold dear that we think is dead and dying, he says, I'm going to the Dead Sea. I'm going after that because I want to make it new. And we see that in, in, in Jesus. Thank God for Jesus that we can see that now. That he goes to, to take on death and rise again so that he could give us a new life where once we were dead, but now we can live because he lives. God wants to bring renewal to your life and to mine. He wants to bring us alive in every part of us that feels dead and buried. And he wants to breathe into that, the river of his presence. God's after bringing the dead stuff alive. He says it to Ezekiel, I'm going to the Dead Sea, mate. From where the trickle begins and where it hits, it's I'm going for the Dead Sea because that needs to come alive. So don't be surprised if the presence of God shows up and he says, let's go here to the to the stuff that's died in us and the stuff that's died around us, to the relationships, to the hopes, the dreams, the purposes, the plans. It's there he wants to bring the lordship of Jesus and bring the kingdom alive to us. He wants to take those dead things and bring them alive. And then the other part of it is this. There's this little effect there. He says, um, you know, it's going to be lots of fish <laughs> There's going to be lots of fish, and basically that lots of fish thing means this, quite simply. You remember the story of how Jesus, you know, after he's resurrected from the dead at the end of John's gospel, the boys are all depressed and they're out fishing. They've caught nothing all night. They're living the story over on repeat and repeat and repeat. And Jesus says, what have you caught? They say, nothing. Oh, just, you know, chuck your net out that side. And then, whoosh, in comes this big harvest of fish, big fish, fish from all over, all types of fish. And Jesus says to them, guys, I'm restoring you to what you've always been made for, people. When God begins to move in our lives, when he's about to bust a move, the trickle will begin to look like people turning up. People in the sphere or the net of our life. All of a sudden, it's like, what are they doing here? What are they doing in my life? I thought my life was full. I can't do anymore. Ah. The presence of God will bring people to us. Look for his presence unexpectedly and look for it unexpectedly in the people who are just going to suddenly turn up. What on earth are they doing here in my life right now? Pay attention. Do you see it? Do you see it? You want to see this nation come alive to Jesus? You want to see the church flourish? You want to see people doing the ministry of King Jesus in our everyday life? Do you see it? It begins with the trickle. It comes a little deeper. Let's go after the dead stuff, the oppressed stuff, the demonized stuff and see it come alive in the name of Jesus. Let's go after the broken stuff, the unhealed stuff, 
the unforgiving stuff and bring the kingdom of God. Let's go there. And how is it going to look? It's going to look like people are going to suddenly turn up in your life. Pay attention to the people. Hello? (laughs) Come on. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. Come a little deeper. Come deeper. Where we feel withered, where we feel like we're dying on the vine, turn back to God. Let his presence yield fruit in your life. Let the generosity of the Holy Spirit bring that goodness, that kindness, that patience, that that faithfulness of God alive through you again. Come, Holy Spirit, is our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, is our life. Let the, look for the fruit. Look for the fruit. And ultimately, at the end of all of that, do you see it? There is fruit that will be served for food and their leaves for healing. In other words, the river of God will provide the life and he's asking us to be distributors of it to those amongst us. Who wants to come to the river? Well, come on up here now. If you want to come to the river, come on up the front right now. Come a little deeper. Come to the river. Give your life to Jesus. Let everything that's dead and dying in you be given over to Jesus right in this moment. Let all of that oppression and spiritual opposition and, and, and isolation come off you now in Jesus' name. Do you see what God is doing? Give us eyes to see, Lord. Lord, here we are. There's a handful of us here. There's a trickle of us here, Lord. But here we are. Do you see it? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. For those of us that are out the front right now, I just invite you, posture your hands openly before God. And, and, and Lord, here we are. Jesus, here we are. We, 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 we give, for some of us in this room right now, Lord, we're saying we see you. For those of us up the front, we're saying we see you and we want to see you more and we want to give ourselves over to coming a little deeper with you today.